0: Welcome to the Practical Employment Law Podcast, a podcast covering all aspects of American employment law. I'm your host, Mark Chumley. I know most people have probably heard about the workplace shooting in Louisville this week. It's a terrible story, but it got me to thinking about the employment law aspects of workplace violence. Now, before I begin this discussion, a couple of caveats. First, I don't want to minimize or trivialize the situation in Louisville, but there are things employers should be aware of to help deal with these issues and attempt to avoid them. Second, I want to be clear that I have no inside information. All I know about this situation is from media reports, and they may or may not be accurate. Finally, I only talk about employment law on this podcast, and I will not be discussing any other issues related to workplace violence, such as the political ones. If you're interested in that, you should be able to find some podcasts with strongly held and expressed views without too much effort. So let's jump into this important topic. First, you may have noticed that I said avoid and not prevent workplace violence issues. Allow me a brief digression. When I was a brand new lawyer, I summer clerked at a general litigation firm, and one of the first cases I ever worked on was a premises liability case. It was pretty terrible. A woman had been attacked in the bathroom of a hotel bar by a guy who had hidden there waiting for her. The thing that still sticks with me about the case was the expert testimony. The, de- the defense expert noted and the plaintiff's expert acknowledged the idea of the determined criminal. The point being that you can take every reasonable precaution, but a determined criminal can still do something bad. It's a sobering thought, but I'm inclined to think it remains accurate. I'm going to discuss some workplace violence issues I have dealt with over the years, and I'm not suggesting that there's a foolproof method to prevent these issues entirely. I just don't think it can be done. One additional point, I'm going to use some examples of behavior by employees in this discussion today. I will not say anything that would allow anyone to be identified, but every example that I mention today is real. I'm not going to make up any hypotheticals for this episode, so everything I mentioned happened at some point. So, an initial question to consider from a legal standpoint is why is this issue so important? Putting aside the obvious motivation that employers should be protecting their employees, there are legal ramifications for not doing so. These may vary from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, but there are possible claims under workers' compensation programs, possible OSHA issues, and the possibility of civil lawsuits for various forms of negligence. Of course, all of these claims depend on very specific facts. The basic motivation should still be protecting workers, but there are serious legal issues as well. Now, thankfully, I've never had a client experience a mass shooting like the one in Louisville, but the issue of workplace violence comes up pretty frequently, and in some instances, it's something that needs to be considered in connection with employee terminations. Also, most employers who have a fairly comprehensive set of policies will have a policy on workplace violence that prohibits violent and threatening conduct by employees. Now, many people think that a violation of such a policy is a very strong justification for adverse action, but in practice it's not always so clear. The typical scenario is that an employee reports that a coworker has made threatening comments and the employer investigates. The employee who made the threat is terminated and files a lawsuit, usually some form of a discrimination lawsuit. Now, in these cases, the employer almost always thinks it's on firm ground because it should not have to tolerate threats of violence, but there are a few common problems in this scenario. First, employers need to do a very thorough investigation into these kinds of allegations. You cannot take the allegation of a threat at face value. You need to find out exactly what was said or done and verify it with multiple witnesses if possible. Courts often parse out allegedly threatening statements and second-guess the employer or its reactions in a lawsuit. Remember, if an employee is claiming the termination was not for an alleged threat, but was instead for some illegal reason, the issue of whether the conduct was truly threatening becomes critical, and I have seen courts reject as threatening many oblique statements. Things like, you make me so angry I could explode, or if you don't stop that, something bad is going to happen, or even, I hope you die. These are all actual statements that were found to fall short of being threats of violence. Of course, my all-time favorite was a statement from one employee to a co-worker that, I'm going to stick a potato up your beep. This is a family show, but you can guess what the actual word was. And again, the labor arbitrator in that case held that it was not a serious threat of violence. Now, employers should bear in mind that just because something may fall short of being a threat, they don't have to tolerate unprofessional conduct. A lot of this comes down to properly drafting discipline and termination documents. So, don't necessarily put all your eggs in the threat of violence basket. Unprofessional conduct can be dealt with as well. Now, another issue that I have to mention is that the employee who reports the threat often backtracks once litigation starts. They may report to human resources that a threat was made, but when they're under oath in a lawsuit, many employees backtrack and say that they didn't really feel threatened. And, of course, this can have a very negative impact in the lawsuit. Now, the solution to this problem is a very thorough investigation. The employer should ask pointed questions about specific statements and conduct and establish the complaining employee's response, meaning are they really afraid? Are they really threatened? If so, consider getting a written statement to that effect. Now, the other side of this issue is what should the employer do when they have legitimate concerns about workplace violence from an employee or ex-employee? Initially, there is a general issue of security for facilities. Now, this is not my area of expertise, but I know there are many qualified consultants who can assess businesses and facilities and provide ideas about security. It's something to consider for many employers. But I'm going to focus a little more specifically on how to handle the threat of violence in connection with the termination. This was apparently what was driving the Louisville shooter, and it is where I've seen this issue come up most frequently in practice. The key issue here is taking steps that are appropriate under the circumstances. I've encountered situations where the employee who is going to be terminated is known to have a bad temper and once broke a coffee mug out of anger. I've also seen employees who made specific threats about beating up supervisors, and I've also seen employees who posted pictures on social media with guns and made statements about the guns talking to them and telling them to do bad things. Again, not making any of this up, but obviously the responses to those scenarios are going to be different. Let's consider some options, and these are all options for situations where there is some level of legitimate threat. First. There are basic practices that should be in place for terminations. One is that managers should not meet with the employee without another manager present as a witness. And this can also be a form of protection on some basic level. Also, one troubling detail about the Louisville shooting was that the employee had apparently been told he was going to be terminated, at least according to the media. Now, I kind of doubt they got that right. It would be unusual to tell someone before the actual termination meeting, unless it was a reduction in force situation. Now, of course, the employee may have received a final written warning or a performance improvement plan that made it clear where things were going. So, one caveat is that only focusing on ex-employees and the termination meeting may be too narrow. There are other scenarios where the issue of safety needs to be considered. Another basic precaution in terminations is to make sure the ex-employee no longer has access to the employer's building. This may be as simple as getting keys or key cards back, but in some cases, employers should consider changing locks or key codes to prevent unauthorized entry. Also, other employees should be made aware that the employee is no longer employed. You don't want to go into details, obviously, but people need to know if someone should no longer be accessing the workplace. Now, having said that, Depending on the perceived threat level, here are some more serious measures I have seen employers take to protect their employees. Obviously, if your business has security personnel, they can be notified. But you can also make a non-emergency call to your local police agency and explain that you are terminating an employee, and while there has maybe not been a direct threat of violence, you would like to have a police presence nearby in case things escalate. I've seen this done many times and never encountered a situation where the police were not willing to be in the area at a given time. You will want to document that these steps were taken, and again, there should be some level of a legitimate threat. It's not a call you make every time you have to terminate an employee. Stepping up to a higher level of threat, employers can consider asking for a police presence in the parking lot or even in the building. This can be a little more difficult since the police have other things to attend to and may or may not be available or willing to do this. The other option is to hire private security to be present for the meeting. The next higher level is to hire private security for the termination meeting and for a period of time after the meeting if there are concerns about actions the ex-employee might take. The highest level of response that I've seen in my practice was a situation with serious threats that were reported to the police. In addition, the employer hired private security for a time to be on-site and also hired a private investigator to follow the ex-employee and alert the employer and the security personnel if the ex-employee started traveling toward the workplace. Thankfully, nothing happened, but it was a credible threat and the employer obviously took it seriously. And I think that was the right thing to do. I'll just close by saying that this was a pretty brief discussion of what is really a pretty complicated issue. So if you have concerns about this sort of issue, my suggestion would be to reach out and talk it through with your employment counsel. This has been the Practical Employment Law Podcast. Thanks for listening. Please watch for future episodes wherever you get podcasts. And if you enjoyed this podcast, Please subscribe and leave us a review. If you would like to contact me about any aspect of the podcast, my email address is mchumley at kmklaw.com, and my full contact information is in the show notes. This podcast was created for general informational purposes only and does not constitute legal advice or a solicitation to provide legal services. Although we attempt to ensure that the podcast is complete, accurate, and up-to-date, we assume no responsibility for its completeness, accuracy, or timeliness. The information in this podcast is not intended to create, and listening to it does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. Listeners should not act upon this information without seeking professional legal counsel.